Welcome to Interscription. June brings with it a great many tech shows and season finales, so Rich and I are here to bring you our thoughts on those very things. Listen this week as I refuse anything but a gold star for Barry, wade through the sea of animation that comprises Across the Spider-Verse, and then engage in a lengthy discussion on Apple's WWDC announcements, with a special focus on their spatial computing aspirations. Thanks for staying on this road with us. And just like that, we are absolutely doing another take. Are we getting some sort of funding from Max? Not HBO and not HBO Max, but Max for their upcoming uh, second season uh, of, uh, of the Sex and the City uh, show? Because I think that's what it's called, and just like that. And just like that. Yeah. No, I think that is what it's called. So we should be. Uh, I mean, be. our I mean, Cinnabon venture kind of fell right on its face and maybe 40-something-year-old women getting a second lease on dating handsome guys is more our speed. 40-something. That sounds awfully generous. I think if I seen the trailers, I think, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they say the camera adds years, but oof. I don't are, know are, they, are they supposed somethings. to be older? I mean, are they all in their 50s in that show? Uh, I want to say is, 50s, because I mean, it was like a while ago, wasn't it? Like, it, it was, was a long time ago, Sex in the City. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, in college at that time, I think. Mm. You know, I remember going up to Manhattan for trumpet lessons, and there were always enormous billboards, like, all throughout that city where the sex was within, mm-hmm. or and. Mm-hmm. The sex and the city, and, right? Not, yes, Sex Not adjacent the to the city, I believe. Right, like the two, you could take one or like soup, unlimited soup and salad. Uh, unlimited soup like or salad have to have and both, salad. And you don't have yes. to put the salad in the soup. That's right. So if you're into cities, great. If you're into the other thing, also great. If you're into both, they have that for you. So I'm taking off my Apple Watch and we'll be talking Apple stuff. I said just great. before we went live, you know, we do this um pre-podcast check to make sure all of the people that are going to annoy us are, you know, paused, all of our work notifications are off. And I did, I think I had this problem once before I turned off my notifications on my phone. Like if Mm -hmm. there's, you know, I think an Amber alert or if somebody breaks through, they can break through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I just got two more chain texts from my 10 year old Mm. and like that wasn't, it's never really been a thing that we had to deal with. Like there were chain letters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you would get. And then like early internet days, there were emails that would circulate around. That's the same, you know, if you don't send this to 45 of your friends in the next 10 minutes, then you'll be forever cursed. And it's mm-hmm. just really a, the worst kind of spam. And mm-hmm. I don't know how to teach her to stop doing it because I said, stop doing it. And she just sent me two more. Mm. Yeah. That's the opposite of stopping doing it. It's like doing it more. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, it should be like, do not disturb. It shouldn't be like, try not to disturb me in this moment. Right. Like it's like, it's like a computer. Right. So like, I don't want you to have a whole lot of thought around it. I want you to not disturb me. Do not disturb me. And sometimes they're so weirdly selective about that. Like I'm, I'm a, for me, it's the, uh, kind of like, you know, post dinner and kind of, you know, whatever, like I have like a bedtime one that kicks on, but you know, and then there's a, you know, a handful of people who can break through of course, but, um, but I, you know that, and, but it, even before that, sometimes if it's just like, 
you know, every app has got something to tell you and something to sell you. And, you know, and I, I just will be like, okay, I would like to watch this TV show. And I go, Bloop, and I just say, you're going to be quiet. Cause I can't with the, like if new egg is trying to sell me something that night, I will get 800 of those stupid, you know, going live. And, uh, that's, that's, uh, about 801 too many. So I, uh, I, 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 I will sometimes do that. Um, but it is interesting that even once in a while with the Samsung too, I will notice that there's like some apps that it's just not uh plussed about uh, uh you know listening to that i feel like there should be something that's nice and uh absolute about the uh lack of disturbance yeah you know i slack has this apple messages has this where there's this thing you know if you send somebody a text message and they've got dnd on for i'll just use iMessage right now and slack's <laughs> the same way it says hey their notifications are off. Like they're not going to see this. Do you want us to bug them anyway? There's actually a button that like, it's up to them. Like, and it's like, maybe, maybe there should be like some repercussions. Like I, because there are reasons like you are pinned under a car and I'm recording a podcast and maybe you need to break through because maybe I need to go get you out of that car, but it should be, like those um, fire alarms in schools that would spray your face with ink if you tried to like break them so that if you're just pulling the fire alarm for shits and giggles, like you'd be covered in ink. Like maybe like, okay, I'm going to let them know, but also your phone's going to explode. That would be perfect. And also like, and maybe since it's a capacitive touchscreen, like you touch it and it just is like a, like one of those joke zappers for handshakes. Like you're like, do you want to break through anyway? Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Are are you willing to be electrocuted or pay $100? Like some, something just to say, Hey, this isn't just like, he kind of doesn't want to hear about bullshit right now, but like that, that button dude. And it's there in Slack. And let me tell you something about work Slack. That button is there just for the pressing. Like, of course I want to notify him. I I need to send him this message. Like, tell him right now. I don't care where he is. That's right. He obviously didn't mean do not disturb. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It says disturb right in the name. He must want me to talk to him. I I, I see do and I see disturb. The thing in the middle, I'm not so sure about (laughs) oh boy that's something else that is crazy and that's a, so speaking of iMessage yeah there was there was indeed an apple event which we're going to get to today yes we'll talk about so many apple things all the apple things every apple thing that anybody could possibly talk about we're going to talk about it today we we are going to jump into it but i think before we do that we can finally finally talk about barry oh oh my gosh finished it last night even did a double header got through two episodes just put your shoulder down you got in there you got in there i'm just fucking charged forward and it was pretty good it was all right yeah it was um and what i'm hearing much like when people go to click on the do not disturb button (laughs) is it was it was amazing. <laughs> it's the best show that you've ever seen ever is what I heard. So I think that's, that's, that's probably what you said. I don't know. That it was the best show I've ever seen. Okay. It's, it's definitely in top and it's in that category of shows that I'd probably recommend to just about everyone. Mm, um, you know, like, cause, cause there's some shows that I personally think are awesome but I know they're not going to be everybody's jam. Like Mrs. Davis, I think, is very much in that category where sure. it was a great romp. Um, 
eh, everything everywhere all at once as a movie like probably one of my favorite films the last two years i know not everybody's going to get on board with the weirdness uh, Mm -hmm. right and so barry i think isn't like that it's almost a perfect product and i'm not saying that as a matter of opinion but if you take the polish of being a black dramedy Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is really what it is yes like it takes that genre and just Duncan does the apple sheen to it, right? It's capacitive touch all over. It's a perfect black slab of black dramedy. This is what they meant. The Fargo people, those Cone brothers are just a little too weird. You just need to rub it down a little bit, get some of the dust out, you know, from the fender and really like make it shine. And I think Barry does that. I think Barry successfully does that over a well thought out arc that doesn't meander, that all kind of comes back to a single point in time and is very focused. I think I mentioned either on the pod or off the pod that I had just watched the first flash forward episode and I was kind of like, uh, episode didn't feel great. You know, I kind of complained a little bit that it felt like it lost some of what made Barry great in the loss of the characters. And that's kind of like isolated, sad future. And I should have just kept watching. Like, mm-hmm. I think they absolutely knew what they were trying to do and how they were tying up all of the loose ends into a relatively impeccable package. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really don't have anything by way of criticism. Mm. You know, I, Yeah, I, I would like to call out a couple of, of small bits that I think really put it like kind of way over the top for me. Like, I think that I, I think for the first like two seasons or so, I like, there's like a couple of moments that were really outstanding, but, but overall it was more of that comedy dramedy kind of, you know, like I got what they were doing. It was very fun. It had, you know, the couple of serious moments that grounded it a little bit, but it wasn't that much. And it, very slowly kind of changed the the chemical balance of 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 darkness and and kind of lightness you know to to be just a little bit heavier in that third season and definitely into the fourth um i think i mentioned uh there's a couple and i'm just gonna call out some directorial things that for me i just haven't seen anything that that punches at this weight in a long time um the um this I, I think i mentioned it once on the pod there's a that at the end of season three do you remember when he's having uh he was kind of knocked out and he was having those visions where he was on the beach and he was looking out on the beach and there was like all that that crowd and and there was that weird sound that was happening out on the beach and there was this cool transition from him being on the street to kind of walking towards this like lapping up ocean that like looked like you know kind of this this really interesting um like and I think at the time I said, this is very Sopranos. Like whenever Sopranos would have a dream sequence, it felt like this. It was like this really kind of like old school HBO kind of like feel of like, you know, very highbrow, weird filmed drama, you know? And I loved that. I thought that was like super interesting and it was getting dark. It was getting a little bit heavy. Right. Um, and then this season. So, you know, I'm, minor spoilers here. It's tough to talk about this show because it, they pack a lot into 30 minutes. So it's tough to. So I'm just going to say at the top some minor spoilers. Everybody should finish Barry. You should not take as long as Rich did because they're half hour episodes in four seasons. You should devour it. It's great stuff. Um, so but we won't try to spoil too much here. There is. So he's in prison in the beginning of season four right Mm -hmm. and there's that scene when 
uh, it was right after he had that, uh, he made the guard beat him up. Um, remember he started saying all that weird stuff to the guard, like when the guard was like trying to help him out and he, he gets the shit kicked out of him by the guard and then he's in his cell. All right. And he's in his cell and they do this wonderful directorial thing where they filmed two scenes, right? Like they filmed him in the jail, right? Like he's actually in his cell sitting on his bed and he starts having these visions, right? And the visions that he's having were of, um, uh, basically like kind of like sort of like potential futures for his life. And so there is, um, it was him. Well, I guess it was like kind of like a, a continuum of his life because it was in the very first one, it was him out in the field. And remember he, it's when he meets Fuchs for the first time, he's like a boy and he meets Fuchs for the first time out in the yep. field. And then during one of those interactions, there's this scene. And I, I there was why I wanted you to watch this, this season all like from the beginning. Cause when I saw this, I was like fiending to talk to you about how like directorially brilliant this show could be. And so there was that scene when that's happening and he's watching it. And then there's the, the wedding party that's way out in the, in the, in the desert. And they're walking from the desert. The wedding party's like walking towards the camera. Yeah. And then from that scene, it's a wonder from the wedding party walking through the desert to pivoting 90 degrees to them walking into a lobby of a hotel to go to a reception of a wedding all in one scene, all in one big one or all coming all the way through. And I was absolutely blown away by that scene. And like, I thought it was so well directed because then it like, it, they, they all filter in, they sit down, the lights come up. Like it's almost like a stage play, right? Like, which is sort of kind of what Barry, you know, speaks to in the, in the, in the opening seasons. But it was like, and so they all come in and then the camera in the foreground has got old Barry and, uh, old Sally dancing to a song right there. And so they're kind of swaying to this song and they're much older and, and all of a sudden all of his busted up faces kind of gets a little bit warmer and he's like, and, and, and every time it, it cuts back to his face about how he feels emotionally about all of the pastiche of all that stuff happening, the, the lighting inside of the cell is changing and there's just so much cool stuff. Like, it's just really like, it's, it's such freshness that I think that that show uh, brings to the table that I don't, I've not seen anything quite that uh, interesting, like in terms of like what they would do with something that would normally have been handled so differently in other ways. Um, so I think those are just some examples of, of like how cool that that show was. Um, but anyway, I, I thought it was, uh, I, I really think from a directorial standpoint, I think that show like knocks it absolutely out of the park. Those were some of my favorite moments directorially um, for it. Um, Who? Um, what the fuck happened to Sally, though? Like that never got revisited. Like she just fucking took off to L.A. with the kid a little bit after. Yeah, yeah. But like, and then- but who fucked that guy up? Like, because uh, like he's getting fucked up. Like after she gets shut into the room, and like she's trying to load the gun, and then he takes off, and then the car and all of that. But do you know the episode I'm talking about? Oh guy, yeah, guy so black. that so so the the guy doesn't exist. The the guy in black doesn't exist. Oh, that's oh, okay. not. 
Yeah, that's 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 like her demons following her. That's another great directorial moment. Like that's not he's not there. Same with the car. Like that didn't actually. The happen. car did happen. The car like slammed like because that was the guy that she choked out in the and the thing. So everything that she's hearing is outside. It's just she's so stricken with grief following her around in her apartment that she is zoned out. Like she's not even there anymore. And then that snaps her too. And that's all the stuff he's saying outside is, is, you know, him slamming into the, 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 the whole, the prefab home with the truck and because it's his truck. Um, and, and, uh, and then he drives away. Got it. Okay. Much appreciated. That was not making a whole lot of sense. Yeah. It, it really felt like at first, like that was, she was going to get mugged and, you know, and, and that, but, but when you think about it, like if she was going to get mugged, why would the door have closed between them? Right. Like he would have come in the room instead of been outside of the room. So like, that's why he was never there because he, you know what I mean? Like it was just, it was her state. Gotcha. That makes uh, way the fuck more sense. But yeah, I mean, it, it felt like, I don't know, like I missed the invisible car moment in Atlanta. Like I, I was like, nope. I watched every moment of this. Like I wasn't zoned out. I was on my phone. I didn't like miss it. I just don't fucking get it. And then we just never came back. And obviously like the timing of that shit with, um, you know, the car hitting and everything. There's an interesting scene. Uh, it was a great fucking scene. It was uh, yeah. like fucking terrifying, but yeah. 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 So yeah, no, it's, I mean, again, shows great. Um, primary issue is I think, Hank was the hero of that show mm. by far. Yeah. I, I mean, he really was, um, you know, closest to chaotic good, despite being a ruthless killer also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like there's really no good characters in this show. Uh, there's yeah. nobody who you'd want to hang out with and just feel good about. And they all. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I will say to, um, I think the one thing that is, it's tough to talk about the ending of that show, but I think that the ending to try to talk around it without spoiling it directly for people is that, um, the way that it ended. And I think specifically with the text at the very end of the movie, like the text and more than what you saw at the end of the movie, but the text at the very, 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 very end, um, was, in service of fixing irredeemable characters where you wanted them to be right. Because there was no narrative beats that would have fixed any of the characters you don't like and that were irredeemable because of their actions. So the way to redeem them was to retell their story. And that was a very interesting way to redeem them. And it meant that like, like I didn't want, I didn't want that last episode to go the way that it did. I will fully cop to that. And I loved Barry. Barry is high watermark for TV for me, but I, but I do think in that moment, like I think I got it all of a sudden I realized that the only way for the characters that you did like and didn't like to get the way that they were to be portrayed fictionally, the way they were supposed to be and the way you would really want them to be. There was no, way they could have been that unless it happened that way i think so like it was the story that was told at the very end there in those last couple of seconds that 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 
fixed the characters that needed fixing and damned the characters that needed damning. And, and that, that I think was probably the, 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 is a very fascinating way to do that. And it isn't maybe as directly satisfying as other shows, but I, I did think it was super cool. It, it um, was, it was an interesting way to do it. I, I was all about it. And I think what was nifty about it is who the audience of that last bit was for mm-hmm. and the reaction of that person. Yeah. Which is really like in the end, all that mattered, all that mattered, all that mattered. Yeah. It really is. Half of this season is all about that character. Really? Like it's as much as it, as much as you want it to be about everybody else, because you spent seasons with the other people. Like that's who this is about. This, this season has more to do with that character than anybody else. And so given that lens, it's a brilliant finale. It wasn't the lens I would have chosen. It wouldn't be the one I wanted. Like, you know, spoiler alert, I did want Barry to just go on a 30-minute rampage of killing everybody all the time with badass fucking military training. Like, I just wanted that scene, like, because we've seen him as the fucking super ninja commando guy the whole time. So I was just, like, ready. Like, he shows up at the Walmart. He gets his gear. I was like, yep, this is it. This is why I I showed up. Only in America, dude. He's just fucking walking out full Rambo and... Uh, but that's where the comedy part of the black comedy comes in, right? Because like they're, they're filming it that way. Like he's about to go do this. It's going to be the payoff that much like the last of us can sometimes not feel like that payoff when you're (laughs) like going into video game mode and just taking people out left and right. But instead of that, you get that scene, that final standoff and you're left kind of like, no, no, leave some. That's right. I right? just want like, a couple. There just needs to be mowing down fucking, to do. They took that balloon, dude, and they didn't. They didn't pop it. They just fucking like just put that pin right in the bottom. So it just started going, like yeah. slowly deflating, <laughs> like in the saddest way possible. But but he'll be right there. Like yeah. just he, just guys, just one minute. Just yep. wait. <laughs> one minute. Yes. <laughs> you know who's gonna fix all this? I'll tell you who's gonna fix all this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because like that whole scene, like you thought any moment like he was just gonna walk in and everybody's gonna go whoop and turn their attention to him and he was gonna he was gonna fix it yeah you were sure right you were sure so um that was a neat little scene with the with the gun spray and the grenade at the end of it It was all it was very like well filmed in that moment it was really like you know i mean the show knows how to do that kind of scene in like this kind of lightly comedic but also like pretty harrowing sort of way like it knows how to like lean enough into the action that it's super fun but also has some 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 levity to it and they they did that uh well so yeah I mean, I, I'm. I will say that, like, I, I, I would have wanted the final season to play out differently along the way, and then, like, after ruminating on it later, I, I get that this was maybe the only way you were going to get a, a satisfying conclusion because everything had gone so hog fucked by the end of it that, like, how else could you fix these characters? And it's because it's the way you do it is you rewrite those characters, and that that's yeah. that's a that's an insanely clever way to do it. I I did not expect that, and it didn't necessarily hit all the buttons I wanted it to initially, but but it is also really the only path forward. Yeah, and the one I think universal truth from that tail end of this is always, always pack a second rocket. Always pack a second rocket, dude. At right? the end of the day, yeah. I always mean, pack a second rocket. One rocket is never enough. That's it. Never enough. That, never. that was um, perfect scene. Really worried that he was going to eat it right there, and it was going to be super anticlimactic, and I was not going to be here for it. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was very tight. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we have two other bits that we've been checking out. You've got some Spider-Verse news. There's some Spider-Verse. I, uh, packed the boys up and uh, took them out to the second, uh, movie in the tr- Spider-Verse trilogy, um, uh, across the Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Um, I, um, will, you know, stay extremely spoiler light. It just came out and you definitely have to see it immediately, but, um, really good stuff the one thing i want to say um is uh that's an easy thing to break that's a very easy thing to break when you like i'm gonna appeal to your musical nature for a second and say that um some of some of the pieces of music that you may have enjoyed or or perhaps even written I, i don't even want to say necessarily just music you've enjoyed but um let's take like a comp complex classical or jazz piece, right? Um, I feel like one of the things that like is important from a creation perspective is to make sure that, um, and this probably sounds stupid when you're talking about music, but it is to make a coherent song, like a coherent song that is able to be appreciated. So no matter how many levels you add, right? No matter how many, how many instruments, how many pieces, pieces of, of, uh, complementary music that are playing over top one another. Um, let's take a classical piece where you have, you know, a 20 piece, 30 piece orchestra, something like that. Like you have a lot of people there, right? And they all have to somehow serve music, to the masses like they have to get that out there right and so but with 30 instruments like especially you know or more it doesn't matter we can uh, apply it out as many instruments as you want if you think about it, like when all of them are out there and they're all tuning their instruments in, in the pit before they actually start playing for everybody like that is a cacophony right like that's a big mess and so to bring everybody together to actually make music right is is so much more uh, so much more crazy when, I mean, I'm thinking even just some of the rock bands that we've been in and like, if you're, if everybody's not on their job and doing their thing at the right times, like what a fucking mess, right? Like you're, you're, people are stepping on each other. There's no rhythm to it. Like, you know, and the more instruments and the more pieces that are laid on top of it, the more crazy it gets. Right. And so something like spider virus and the first one was like this. The second one is more like this, when you start laying on different art styles, different characters, different parts of music, different, you know, plenty of actors, I have to say this thing is jam packed. Everybody wanted to be in the second Spider-Verse and like there's all kinds of actors in there. You could easily make noise and mess, right? Like you could easily have made this thing so uh, deafening in its cacophonous mess that you you really could enjoy it from the pure viscera of it but you wouldn't really appreciate all the layers because it would be too much mess right on the screen and it is a lot i'm not saying it's not a lot and i will say when we talk about everything everywhere all at once and 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 some other things part of the reason that those things aren't always palatable is some people want more simple they want something simple right like they don't like you could listen to uh, a, uh, I don't know, what's a good example? You could listen to a, uh, a dream theater or uh, somebody who's got like some really wacky prog stuff going on, right? 
Yeah. And you could just listen to a, you know, a singer songwriter, like the first album from Jewel. I'm just picking two things out, you know, where she's just her and a piano or her and a guitar and that's it. And there's a stripped down simplicity, right? To one versus the other. And I think that there's an importance to, as you add more ingredients that they all still get their time and they're all still get their, their, uh, moment in the sun. Right. That's what I think is the biggest triumph of this second movie is that it, if that first movie already was just a lot, there's just a lot of animation per second, like it just happening and layered art styles and stuff. And you would think that nobody could do more than that. And yet you get to the second movie and they do way more than that. Like this thing is so full frame by frame that like, it's just overflowing. Like it's just a, it's just like opening a fridge and it's just like produce falling out of it next to milk. And like, it's just a, it is a packed experience and somehow maintains not only coherence, but like actual emotional stakes, great character development, cool story arcs, like things that movies generally need to stick to their simplicity in order to deliver. This thing is just assaulting your senses. Like you're just sitting there, just getting, it's like the, the Maxell guy with the tape just on the back of the, 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 the recliner, just getting blasted by speakers with his hair going back and his tie and shit. Like it's like that level for two right. hours and 16 minutes. It is just, is all of the graphics. It is all of the animation. It is all of the music. It is everything. It is, it is pinning you to your seat with, with experience like it is doing that and it could just be a mess if you didn't know what you were doing it could just be a mess right like just like when you're trying to get an orchestra to make music right like it could just be a mess if there's too many people out here all trying to do shit and you can't pull them all together then it's going to be a mess like everybody's got to stay in their lane do their stuff so that all of this sounds like music or it's just going to be a fucking train wreck and this is this is that this is a finely tuned, perfectly honed 10 out of 10 orchestra. This is the, that is the machine that they've created here. I really, really can't say enough good stuff about the product of it. It is, it is almost impossible to have this much just raw content being blasted into your eye holes and somehow also still enjoy it. Like you can't, because it's, it, it, it is, it is, it is a lot. Like if you're just, like, I mean, I've definitely been in a moment in my life where I've been too high to handle a lot of, 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 you know, like the whole, I don't, not too many people I want to be talking to right now kind of modes. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, like this, somehow they were able to fully thread everything that was happening, pun fully intended. Um, and, um, and yeah, like that, the craft of it, there is, it is peerless in its craft because it is so much that, uh, that everything is important and everything is happening on screen. You need it, but, but you, but you, but if they didn't stick the landing on, on making sure that all those things had enough oxygen, you know, and it, we're talking like, I just finished uh, for all mankind season three. So like, you're talking about like on the moon, this is how many rations you have. This is how much air you have. This is right. how much, like you are threading the attention of viewers and the amount of screen space that you have on a, on a movie projector. And, and it is, and they are using all of it. There is no still frames. There is no unused space. They have used every part of the animal. This is the whole kit and caboodle. They're using all of it. Um, so I would say the flip side of that is there's some people who just like simpler stuff and they don't want the assault that that would potentially be. Right. Um, 
And I can appreciate that those people are wrong, but I can appreciate that that would be something that some people might, you know, more lean towards something a bit more simple. Um, but I think that if I were to say anything uh, about this, it it is that it is that it can pull that off in a way that I have never seen. I've never seen that much content spewed across two hours and 13 minutes and still somehow make sense and not just be a big mess, you know, not just be a, a screensaver or a tech demo, but actually have real stakes, real character, real everything. Um, hmm. So that stuff, if you liked the first one, you have to see this one. It's that easy. It's, right, it's right. equally of the same crafting quality it's it is it has also got an incredible movie and story that's going on here um i think uh, you and me and eric were doing a sidebar text and he did say the how angry he was that like the cliffhanger happened the way that it happened um he's pretty much right like this is this is half of a movie like it is it is awesome and it's full of content and you go through a lot of great stuff i mean it's not like you didn't come out with a full meal but it's also like there's just, there is absolutely another movie's worth of, well, what the fuck, you know, like you, you have like a lot of extra to get to. So um, the next one comes out in March. Um, and so there's a little bit of lag time there for sure, but not as bad as like three or four years, like it would normally right, takes right, for these right. kinds of movies. Yeah, no, it's, um, so it's more like a, a set break than it is, uh, you know, a movie where they're just fucking going and you've got that free jazz thing but like every every note is spot on and then they just fucking stop like mid drum solo put down the sticks you hear the click 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 all right guys we'll be back in 15 that's it <laughs> that is exactly right and you're just like left there sweating and like <sighs> breathing <laughs> like, but, what happened somebody give me a beer yeah yeah it is you, you hit it on the head there's actually a very it's funny the way you just said that you'll have when you see the movie there's a very specific reference around around that too so um yeah highest recommendation it 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 knocked it out of the park it is absolutely every bit as good as the last one it's uh it's 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 um terrific stuff it's i terrific. really look forward to checking out in february Mm-hmm. That's right. Get yourself ready. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like just, really frustrating and um, uh, just self-preservation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, so my independent offering is nowhere near as good as that. Okay. Um, but I think it's simpler. I, okay. I think it's um, enjoyable. And I kind of wanted to bring it up because we both like Stranger Things. We mm. like um, the nostalgia that that brings and so i watched on netflix uh the griffin which is i believe a german language show initially uh it's definitely i mean i'm trying to confirm that but it's um der grief is the um the original name of it so i'm gonna say probably like Mm, i'm probably i'm in the right region you're in the right region yes Uh, but this is this brought me back to things like labyrinth like hmm. in very real ways without the muppets but it takes place in the 90s with 80s 90s 80s there's mixtapes so late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. i'm going to say 90s cuz nirvana is in it okay. um as like a current artist at the time but it's this kid, teenage kid, his older brother, his dad, all are part of this like black tower thing. And they're trying to keep the griffin that lives in the black tower. And the black tower is a world that's built as a tower. Okay. And so like it's an alternate universe that these people can travel to either through gates or different means. And they need to fight the griffin to keep the griffin from coming 
into our lives, into our world, and conquering it as well. And so it's very much like a fantasy adventure, but it's also got a little bit of that punkishness to it and discovery and um, the effects were solid, the feeling and growth, like it just had that fucking Goonies feeling of like good versus evil and like the right people winning in the right ways that felt like so very fresh. And I didn't realize that it was dubbed until about the third episode. Hmm. which I feel very bad about because once I realized I had much more, I was much more impressed with the actors Hmm. who are actually acting and not like the weird intonation that they do to try to match um, lips to voices. So sometimes like the dialogue gets a little wonky because they're trying to make that believable, especially when Netflix is bringing these over, like they put some real effort into trying to like lip match. Um, And the left turn I wanted to take is, how do you feel about the coming of AI re-rendering of faces to match dubs? Because I feel like Netflix is going to be an early adopter on that. Yeah, um, 100%. As much as I think the AI future will kill us all and is a generally terrible idea in almost every way, um, that's the coolest shit ever, and they should do that. I'm, right, I'm because then the dialogue's waiting. not restricted to the way the actors moved their mouths the first time. Yeah, I would say it's surprising how little we do it in the realms of animation, even like hand-drawn a- animation and computer animation these days. Like we don't fix it there, so it sounds like we're pretty far off. But if they would do it there first, I w- it would be wonderful to see. I would like them to do that. That would be great. That would and absolutely yeah. be great. One small correction: It was an Amazon Prime hangover, ah. not um, Netflix. Not Netflix. Okay. But yeah, that's uh, just before we went on. I was kind of scratching my head because uh, I went on Rotten Tomatoes to see where it was at. You know, it's sitting at ninety three percent, which is mm-hmm. pretty good. But then that's I looked good. down and I saw that Silo is eighty seven percent, which is, as we know from carefully studying the oracle of the tomato mm-hmm. uh less good than servant less good than servant can you also tell me what barry is on rotten tomatoes while you have that open i feel like this may indeed be our last episode if i do that right <laughs> okay um how about tv shows because the movie barry is not good Barry is a 98% okay. on Rotten Tomatoes. We can, we can stay. Only an 89% in audience score, though. Well, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what I think. I, I mean, like, I, a couple of people may have just, like, fallen asleep on their keyboard after binging all four seasons. Possibly. Possibly, is yeah. probably how that worked out. Because, wait, what is servant audience score? I just want to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to say, you know, we'd all be going to... Canada, but mm-hmm. that doesn't seem great right now. No, no, there um, is no Canada anymore. Servant ninety one percent and seventy six audience score. Okay, so we're trending in the right way. What was Succession? I, I would like to know what what happened there. Succession. I don't know why they always have to ninety five percent tomato meter, eighty eight percent audience score. So it is one percent better than Barry. Oh, and the audience, mind you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, there's way more idiots who liked Succession than Barry. Like, I'm sure that that, that, that tracks. 
you know, but, uh, but in terms of like overall, like critical score that, that I'm happy to see that Barry got the critical score that it deserves. I, I mean, you had said at the outset of Barry, I don't want to crack Barry back open, but you did say that like Barry is something you could recommend to more people than Mrs. Davis. Probably that, but I don't think that I would recommend Barry as much as I would some other things. Like it is also still a certain flavor. Like it's very specific. Like I think it, it could fit with more people than Mrs. Davis, but not nearly as much as say a succession or something, you know, that, that that's just a little bit more down the, down the middle. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like it, and Ted Lasso is kind of like that bellwether of like, I don't know too many people who won't feel good watching this. Yeah. Like it's just plucky and, the good guys win and everything feels good and everybody's so earnest that it's like cloying at times, but there aren't too many people who are going to like look at Ted Lasso and be like, I don't know. I don't fucking like soccer. Yeah. Right. Like there's not a huge cross section. <laughs> yeah. Neither do they. There's almost no soccer in that show. <laughs> that's exactly right. So like, that's kind of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what to watch. Have you seen Ted Lasso yet? You'll probably like that. Yes. So I don't know that Barry would be quite that. But I feel like, you know, we have a lot of weird shit and genre shit that we watch, and this is more that cross-section. And I I think it would probably be a push on Succession and Barry for me for recommendations, but maybe only because you've broken me on Succession. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm stripping away from the quality because I just happen to not like Succession, but that's a personal opinion about Succession and not whether or not, you know, like, I will also say I don't think that, like, here I was, you know, talking to you about the the incredible craft of Barry. I don't think there's a whole lot of craft in Succession. I think that Succession is just a, you know, a free camera drama that's, you know, like, not, not really all that interesting from a directorial perspective. I will say that the... Uh, the acting at parts in succession is excellent, right? Like uh, it's not about the acting of it or, or even necessarily always the writing it's, but, but from a directing standpoint, I think Barry kills it. Like uh, it just, because there's just like technique in Barry that doesn't exist in succession. Um, right. But, but that's just a personal opinion on a succession versus Barry. I'm, I'm more commenting on which of those things would be an easier sell for audience alpha like wh- whoever you know what i mean if you were to just bring in a group of here's a bunch of you know people like which of those things would be more palatable given the you know what i mean and i feel like succession is probably is certainly more dry but i don't but it but it isn't really about the drier flavorfulness of it it's more about like succession something everybody would understand like you know what i mean like they would get it i feel like barry's got some weirdness to it that like some people just aren't going to want to get on board with you know what i mean like uh, yeah. like there's nothing weird about succession really like it's not a weird show it's just do you like it or not do you are you interested in pjs or not like it's it's not about like this was a strange well in season three they went to outer space you know what i mean and in season four there was this whole psychedelic thing like there's nothing in succession that's particularly weird right like it's just a pretty straightforward forward drama about rich people and Barry's got some pretty weird shit that goes on in it sometimes you know what I mean not like think about that first season with the martial arts uh, guy that big fight that happened and it was a whole episode where it was him and the karate guy just like beating the shit out of each other uh, across 30 minutes like like that's a weird thing to do you know what I mean like and there's a you know what I mean like there's weird stuff that happens in that show right, like right. you know what I mean sometimes and um 
as much as it's a comedy dramedy, I don't, I don't, I feel like this weird stuff is still weird. Like it's, it's weird in a way that like, uh, I don't know that I would, I would sell it to everybody or show it to everybody. Um, but I think it's worth the ride. I just think that you have to be ready for the ride. So like, um, so yeah. So is the continuum from Ted Lasso to everything everywhere all at once? Is that the continuum? No, I mean, I think it's going to go to like uh, Legion. I feel like everything everywhere all at once is a little more digestible than something like Legion where it gets mm. both really weird and really esoteric. And I feel like mm. everything everywhere all at once at least is tight for mm-hmm. all of its weirdness. Like it keeps moving and doesn't make you sit in any one kind of discomfort for too long. Okay. So, so it's yeah. Ted Lasso to Legion. Okay. That's pretty Probably. good. Probably. Yeah. I mean, something like that, or maybe even Preacher uh, would mm. be like that. Mm-hmm. I just, mm. I feel like Legion was good, but had periods that were just gonzo, like the fucking giant tardigrade thing that they were all like nursing on near the end and like some of the mm-hmm. stuff that's just like spectacle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's others like they get weird. But they keep moving and, you know, Preacher has gonzo moments, but then it just keeps pushing past. It's not like mm-hmm. just stewing in the environs for too mm-hmm. long. Yeah, even Mrs. Davis, right? You're right. It, it still keeps moving, even if, if it's if it's wackadoo. It's still moving along. But you're right. Legion is you'll get a whole episode of just tripped out. This is this is our insane asylum episode. And we're just we're just in it, man. You know, that's <laughs> like it. we're just, yeah, just gonna blow it in your stupid monkey face and groove on it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really care if you're along for the ride, does it? They nope. <laughs> what is it with that show? It's like for all of the things that have gotten canceled that really just have no business having been canceled because it just didn't matter enough for it to be canceled or not canceled like legion must have been somebody's nephew somewhere up in fx somehow because that show it tries to be impenetrable like it decides to be impenetrable like it doesn't it's not even interested if anybody watched it like it's just art like uh, does it uh, like in a but not necessarily in a good way art it's just art as in art doesn't care whether you appreciate art and like that's that's that's, that's definitely it. that it is yeah. the height of pretension. Man, oh man. And I, I will say, just for the record's sake, I truly enjoyed Legion. I thought it was pretty pretty rad, but uh, yep. but it was, uh, there's no getting around that weird, man. That was a weird one. That was an it, awfully weird one. Yeah. I, I blocked it out of my memory, so thank you for bringing that back. I, I remember that was a pretty damn weird ride. Definitely. Um, so, speaking of the height of pretension, I think this is going to be a one-break show, and we should probably take it about now, because we are, we are cooking. We're about... Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna apple. We're gonna apple like Apple has ever never appled before. We're gonna over apple. I think we will. That's it. I mean, speaking of things that we can recommend to literally everybody, literally everyone. See you on the other side. All right, so I did my penance. I watched Barry. I came out better for it. And you with me tuned into the Apple WWDC keynote. I did. It was a two and a half hour event. And uh, we're actually, uh, um, it's, I was workshopping this one this morning. It's shows time. 
because there's just been lots of shows and there'll be lots more shows here in these past week or two. Um, and so in the essence of shows time, one of the shows that has happened most recently, uh, was that, uh, uh, Apple developer conference on Monday. That was from Eastern, uh, standard time. It was from like one to three 30. Um, it was like yeah, I had to, I mean, you know, as a work day, I had to kind of have it pinned up there and sort of like, you know, <laughs> fade in and out. That was like a, a lot of time, uh, to devote to anything, let alone Apple. So yes, I did watch that with you. Yeah, it, it's definitely, it shows where they're going and I can kind of make a case as we go through this, but yeah, I took notes throughout. So WWDC isn't supposed to be a consumer facing event uh, theoretically right i mean it's very much become apple's uh, default consumer event where they're announcing new products and they really do kind of two shows a year you know a springish summer wwdc and then later in the fall their iphone ipad announcements but usually what we get at wwdc is heavily software focused for all the things that will be ready when the new iphones come out in the fall and then any new product categories. The other thing that they do historically is a lot of um, desktop and actual Mac products. Uh, I think audience shifted, you know, people, I think even Apple aficionados are going to buy an iPad if they just want to consume an Apple device and they'll get a Mac or a MacBook if they want to do work. So it's a little bit more the decision-making, whether you like Mac or you like Windows or you're Gabe Newell with your Linux desktop trying to make it work it's a little bit more of a commercial decision-making, right? Like you're not getting a new laptop every year because you need a new laptop because most things you don't need a laptop or desktop for anymore in your daily life. You've got your phone, your tablet, whatever. Um, so true to life, I'm going to kick off. Like they did start with Mac announcements and uh, nothing. I think that our audience would jump up and down about. They took the MacBook air and, ruined the best thing about it by turning it from small and light and turned it into a 15-inch version of the MacBook Air. I'm highly, highly fucking against this, and I'm just going to come out and rag on it. I think the MacBook Air, and actually the the Mac Air, or it was the MacBook, like when they first went to thin and light OLEDs, like they had this other like 12-inch mm. little MacBook mm-hmm. that was like just one USB-C on it that was like even smaller than the macbook air and that was cool kind of flop they didn't keep producing it but they've got the macbook airs now in 13 and 15 inch configurations and then you've got the macbook pros in 14 and 16 inch configurations that are a little bigger i'll do a little bit more i think they're just kind of confusing the market by now having a larger macbook air sure and you know it is kind of this thin and light slavish devotion to like making ever smaller devices ever thinner like just paper cut laptops i just don't think that anybody needs a big macbook air i think if you're getting the thinnest lightest ultra pc you know competing with like the dell xps's of the world then you're going to want a smaller screen you want something that's really pocketable and i think at 15 inches you're probably better served by going a little thicker and getting the much better heat distribution power profiling of a MacBook Pro. Sure. So that was their first announcement. I'm sure there's market testing that said that a lot of people really wanted that. And 
certainly the entry point at $1299 is going to be a lot less than a MacBook Pro. Um, although they're kind of knocking at the door then of the 14 inches, which I think you can get the MacBook Pro for $1299, at least right now. So I'm guessing those are just going to go up in price. Sure. That's how they're going to solve it. A um, couple other bits. They updated the Mac Studio, which is the first update. So that's basically their thick boy Mac Mini. So it's a desktop, uh, all kind of contained, but relatively small. Like I'd say it's almost like a micro ITX case with a full motherboard in it. And just in terms of like size mm-hmm. and thickness, it's boxy. Um, the updates are all processors. So they have the M2 Max, Ultra, and yeah. So the M2 Max is their next step up for their pro level silicon. The M2 Ultra is just gluing two of them together hmm. um there's nothing fancier it's quite literally the same silicon just doubled and they have some sort of like bridge tech on the chip that lets them work as one chip which is nifty i mean it's certainly an interesting way to push things to another level and it would be a cool windows based like pc motherboard thing to do mm-hmm. to allow for two cpus and consumer level gaming rigs and just slap them down and double them. Sure. So I don't mind the tech, but it's probably not the revolution that they tried to make it out to be. Um, and then the Mac Pro, which is their um, Windows desktop Mac branded case mm-hmm. uh, with a full-size motherboard and Apple Silicon and their own branded graphics card that they're kind of selling to go along with it. The, this is the first time for the Mac Pro that it is no longer Intel, right? So this is the la- that was the last Intel out the door. I believe that was the last piece of Intel anything that they had, and so they are still claiming that it's going to be fully upgradable. But I don't believe that for a se- second because it sure looked like the RAM at least was um, fused to the board. Hmm. Whether or not the chip itself can get upgraded is a different story, but. I think the price on that was $7,000. $7,000. Without add-on cards. And so I kind of feel like at seven grand, you've got to be able to update those chips annually. Like, that's just such a fucking announce. Like, even if you're Weta or ILM or whoever's left out there rendering movies, like, I still think your CFO is going to look at that and say, we're not going to do this unless we can upgrade the chips because this can't be an annual cost for us to keep up with the other houses. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, really priced way out of interest for just about anyone. But I think, you know, the, the through line on all of these are that Apple is 100% committed to their Silicon. You know, they're not relying on anybody. Everything is in-house for better or worse. And, you know, we'll get to that when we talk a little bit about the um, Vision Pro and that that's using some of these same kind of classes of chips. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if, did you see anything in the PC section that was of note? Not particularly. I, I was, um, you definitely did a fantastic job going through all those. I I, I think the, um, it, that, that eye-watering seven grand for a desktop PC is like, I don't even know what to do with that. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't think how I would build 
an Intel based Windows PC for seven thousand dollars. Like I don't know what I'd do. Like you're talking about dual forty nineties. Yeah, at least. Uh, well, I mean, that gets you. That's still half the price, right? Well, that, I mean, I'm saying like you usually can't put anything more than the two video cards in, right? Because you're doing them in SLI. So right. If, I'm just talking about a rig that I could possibly build. Like yes, I could get a third one and just put it in the back to prop it up. But but you know what I mean. But in terms of like something that I would build where it uses all the silicon. Even if I were able to put two 4090s in there at 1500 bucks a pop and then, you know, the power supply and the, the Intel chip and all of the RAM and SSD that I could possibly put in there, I can't imagine I would get it more than five grand. Like that's, um, that's pretty something, man. Like I just, I, and like, and I just will also not believe that like, I mean, I don't know enough about the silicon with, 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 uh, with the M2 stuff. It's really kind of apples and oranges. I hate that I have to use that analogy uh, or that uh, uh, saying right now, but you know, because there is no direct benchmarking comparison anymore, right? Like there's a handful of benchmarking tools that will use both, but it's just saying that it does this particular job better or faster here and there. And I, I think that, you know, they get to code to the metal now, like not just the API metal, but literally to their own Silicon now because they've phased out Intel stuff. So you know, it's tough if you've got Apple tools, Apple OS, and now Apple Silicon driving it. I, I, I mean, I don't even know how you have the kind of comparison anymore, but, um, but I don't know, like, how would you get a $7,000 Windows PC if you were to build it yourself? It's, it's, it's a lot of money. And I, I, I would challenge that it would necessarily run any better than a PC I could build for seven grand. So that, that's kind of that's kind of where it, and and also I could I, I could upgrade that whenever I wanted with whatever I wanted right it isn't I have to buy anything from Apple I could buy it from Newegg or Amazon or whatever I wanted um, so I think maybe that's where the the seven thousand dollars becomes like like I don't know who would do that unless they just wanted the thing that looks like that aluminum case in their studio right like who would do that and like I, I don't I don't know why you would choose to spend seven thousand dollars on that no no I mean uh, um. Going through, there's like a thermal take pre-built machine that is listed at $8,100, and it has a Ryzen 7 and a 3090. Uh, so they're just absolutely, I maybe that's in like some foreign currency, but that shouldn't be that. No, that's not that. And I think that's probably, yeah, there's an MSI um, Aegis that's 6,800, and that is i9 128 gigs of ram and um i don't actually even see what the and they're just pulling shit from amazon that doesn't make any sense at all but i think the point is like if you shop and you get a 4090 it's about 1500 right, right. like that's yeah and i'm just talking about building it right like i know that yeah, you know yeah. somebody else building it would certainly probably add a little bit of money to it i don't have to get charged that money but you know but at but just putting the components out on a table that have to just be put together with cables and thermal paste like i don't know how to get to 7 grand like if you handed me 7 grand i would you would get change back there's no way to make a $7000 pc for me right now like i don't i don't exactly. understand how you would um shit Build it on twice my... so you have a backup i guess uh, yeah so i guess yeah the second pc for when that one blows up just slide it on over yeah i don't know it's um it's something it's a, I mean, we're going to talk about the Apple vision pro and it's eye watering price too. And I think, I think some of this stuff is just like, 
it's almost at that price of like, have you ever been to a restaurant where they don't actually put the prices on the menu because, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not a concern for the people who eat here. <laughs> like they're, they're going to pay whatever it is because they just want to eat and whatever the thing is like, they, they definitely have enough money. It doesn't matter what you charge them. They're going to be able to pay enough it. money to put a white napkin over your head. Then you have enough money to pay whatever we ask. That's right. And that, that, that's we're we're dangerously close with these price points for some of this stuff. Like it is, is the kind of money that like, well, why would you even put that up and just be lamb lambasted for your silly price points? <laughs> like just say coming soon. And then like, if they have to ask, they shouldn't buy it. Right. Like, I, like that's what $7,000 worth of a desktop is to me. Like, I like, just don't just, you know, if you're asking, you're the asshole, right? Like, I, like that's, that's what it feels like to me. I don't know why they'd intentionally put $7,000 up on screen as though like, and for the low, low price of like, it doesn't make sense why you would put that there. It's, you just look foolish. Um, yeah, so. It's like every, every SaaS subscription for every product ever. It's always the enterprise call us. Yes, that's right. That's right. What it says on the website. That's right. There's that extra window, like, you know, contact a sales associate for more. <laughs> yeah. that's right. like, we, we actually can't like legally write the price on the website because it, people might have, you know, cardiac episodes or strokes and it's just not healthy to put that kind of big number and it's not responsive with all those zeros. So, you know, it doesn't work well in, <laughs> yes. in phone mode. So just, just, you know, call us. Yes, just call us. Um, so speaking of, let's move on to the consumer facing stuff. Um, the iOS updates for iOS 17. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the ADHD techniques I've used for the podcast tonight to make sure I'm not fucking around on the phone while we are talking is I'm currently borking my phone by putting the developer beta on it oh nice uh because somehow they released this and i don't know if they meant to maybe they did maybe they've just kind of given up the subscription you know it used to be they announce the new version developers quote unquote get it first which is anybody who pays a hundred dollars a year to be a developer and we all know that there are a lot of people who don't actually develop anything who just pay that fucking idiot tax to break their phone every year yep um, you know, I had a developer account for Dendry and so I at least could sleep at night knowing I wasn't paying just to have shitty battery life for a couple of months. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it seems like with this drop, anybody who just logs in on the developer site can get the beta profile. Got it. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of sad people with their phone blazing through in an hour. But on the other hand, it seems like these are relatively minor point updates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my guess is performance isn't going to be totally shit-faced the way it has been in the past. Um, so a couple of things. Yeah. They made a big deal over some little things. Mm-hmm. And some of it was silly. Some of it was marginally useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say silly are these personalized contact posters that they announced for the phone app where basically when you call someone within the silo of Apple, they'll see instead of whatever image they have of you, like whatever the fuck you want them to see. So yeah. it'll be your avatar, your picture, a picture of your or somebody else's dick. Like whatever. I mean, th- I, I, I said this in our chat, dude, there's going to be huge throbbing dicks <laughs> pounding into vaginas on every contact card everywhere, right? Like that's what's happening. Like I'm not. No, it's I, pride month. Not every contact card. Uh, okay. 
huge throbbing somethings pounding into somethings on every That's contact right. card, dude. <laughs> like with, with, right. with, with some there, sort of flag in the top right hand corner. Everybody. That's correct. Yeah, like I mean, like, but that's I just want to like. There's no way that that's not happening, right? Like, I'm I'm not really going to call myself a mature human being, but I but I but I think I'm like mostly past like doing stuff like that, like mostly. But I swear to God, dude, I'm back in third grade, dude. <laughs> I'm just there's no question, dude. Everybody, literally everybody <laughs> is. I mean, I mean, nobody will talk to me after the first three days when I get through my address book. But man, I every time I call somebody, I won't even be able to get on the phone if they pick up, dude. I will just be laughing. It's what? Yeah. Well, it sort of followed a theme because one of the other things that they touted was that their autocorrect will let you say fuck now. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Which admittedly is like a long running gag with their autocorrect that like nobody ever wants to write the word duck. Yeah. And so I don't know that it needed to be a developer announcement. Like they just should have fixed it. Um, you know, there's a lot of other pieces that I think they're just behind on the learning of autocorrect. Uh, you know, I always run into, I use the word, well, an awful lot, like, well, I think this is what we're going to do. And it always fucking puts an apostrophe in there and corrects it to will. Will. And it doesn't matter how many times I correct it and hit the cancel. It never learns that I never want to say will. Yeah. It doesn't care. Um, and that's a very, like, a very English thing. Like you're typing and you don't want to go through the effort of adding that apostrophe to some of those contractions. But adding sentence level autocorrect, which is what they're doing now, is a much better way to handle that because it can look at the word in context and understand which one you typed. Sure. So I think that's good. Again, I'm not giving them a cookie. It's overdue, overdue. to say the least, but I don't think it shouldn't be there. It, um, I mean, some of it, too, is overdue just because like they're the only ones who can offer that, right? Like it's You can't have third-party you know, treatments of those, of, of the, of the dictionary, right? Like you're not like, that's still something that okay. yeah, you can have um, third party keyboards and dictionaries and all of that can be third party. Oh, well then like swipe Google keyboard, all of that. Okay. Well then I, that's great. And then I don't know. Then this is, this is just them catching up with everybody else then is like, so they, so was that somewhat recent? Cause I feel like we had a discussion in the past year where that definitely wasn't something we could have, but I have smoked a lot of weed in the last year. Right. And I too. So it could have been five years ago, but, uh, I, um, I'm actually, yeah, no, I mean, I'm seeing stories going back to like 2016. So I don't think it was that. Hmm. Okay. That's been the case for a while. Hmm. What was the keyboard? That, oh, it was the, um, Microsoft had briefly backed out the, um, their swift key and then came back that was that that keyboard story got that, it, got that was that. It. yeah yeah sorry so i mixed that up no no that i mean and why wouldn't you with apple and it's siloing like they're not known for opening core os pieces and that was the case for a very long time yeah but you know i think probably the reason that this is now in the developer conference is what would be great is if whatever keyboard you're using is also feeding into that local dictionary on your phone so that everybody gets to benefit. Because sure. chances are, if you want to say fuck in the keyboard here, when you're typing something in a browser, or you're playing a game or whatever, like you want to, you're going to say the same things. Sure. 
Sure. And so, you know, it's a rising tide lifts all ships. So I'm sure that's the pull. Um, interesting for developers conference, they made a big deal out of journaling, mm-hmm. which was um, just delightfully frumpy. Uh, my goodness. I <clears throat> had my vision board out and, uh, you know, it was putting some rubber cement on the back of a Kardashian and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. popping that up there mm-hmm. and getting my fashion trends on. And I don't know, from a true business standpoint, I'm not sure how much value this brings to Apple. Um, you know, I think the value that it brings is that they care very much about lock-in and this is pulling you in another place where all of the other things that you can only do in the Apple universe, now you can only think about it in the Apple universe and you can only have your memories in the Apple universe. And they're they're making some effort to catch up with Google Photos on recognizing your pets and recognizing faces better which, and memories, which is something that Google just does with a plum. Like yeah. uh, you can search for your dog by name mm-hmm. if you've previously identified that particular dog and it's that good. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of catch up. I think with the journal though, it's a little bit third rail You know, there are some very popular very well monetized apps that have built some large businesses based on journaling and note taking, and they're really doubling down on notes as well in some very PDF heavy ways, mm-hmm. which they got into in their iPad OS bits. Um, but I don't know on the journaling piece and kind of the notes piece in particular. Like, what is your take? Uh, you know, we have other products out there: Evernote, OneNote. Uh, is this a space they need to be in. I, I think, I think as a platform, right? Like when I talk about platforms in general, I am always like, like I try to think, and I'll just, since I'm not an iOS and an Apple guy, like I, I will say like, if I abstract this to like windows, right? Like if I, if I have a brand new PC that doesn't cost $7,000 that I just built and I put windows on it, right? There's some things I want my windows PC to do as soon as I turn it on, right? Like I want it to be able to surf the web. I want to be able to check my email. I want to be able to maybe, you know, edit a photo lightly, um, maybe look at some of my photos per- perhaps, um, you know, but there's not like a ton that I really want out of the box from windows to be doing that is like table stakes. Like my OS has to do these things. Right. And so if you have a competitive product, I think that that's cool. That's fine. I think that Apple has talked about for a very long time, what amazing. And also we have to have a sidebar about WWDC being as consumer focused as it was this year and every year. Cause that's fucking dumb. This is for developers. Don't announce your products here. Have another show. I don't like that. Like Microsoft has build and like build is for developers. Like it's supposed to be just for developers. You can have like eight shows a year. I don't give a fuck, but there should be a developer only show. That's just nerdy ass. How do you code to metal effects? And you know what I mean? Like, you know, stuff like that. Like it should be that kind of thing. So that part's stupid on its face anyway. But I think the thing that Apple talks about a lot, and they talked about in this when they were trying to thinly veil over the idea that this is a developer's show, is they were talking about the importance of the app store, right? Like, do you remember, like, it was at least at least a couple of times they kept nodding at like how important it was that the app store ch- app store changed the landscape of of phones as we know it and and all that, you know, which maybe maybe not i don't i don't even want to get into that part of the discussion but like but when you think about what the app store did is it allowed 
the iPhone and the platform to be extensible in a way that Apple could not uh, support, right? Like they couldn't, there was no way that Apple was going to be able to solve all of the problems. So how did they solve all the problems? They made iOS something that was easy to use, it was attractive, and it was adopted by users. And by doing that, developers knew that if they showed up on this platform that they would get a lot of eyeballs and therefore a lot of revenue. And the developers are responsible for making the iPhone as successful as it is in conjunction with Apple, right? Like Apple made a good base product, changed the game with capacitive touch, created the app store, you know, got this thing that it was, and then developers went in and they filled in all the blanks, right? Like they went in and made all of those things. So <clears throat> this sort of doubling back around to making the best in class product when we already have several best in class products that were made because you couldn't do that shit back when you made the iPhone, um, feels like dumb to me. Like, it feels like, why would you make a journal app now? Like nobody really cares about that. You know what I mean? Like, that's like something that everybody can do already and do pretty well. Right. Like there's, there's, you're right. Like just one note, never note or two excellent examples. Right. But, um, I'm sure there's others I'm not even thinking about right now. I don't do a lot of personal journaling myself, but, um, I just feel like, you know, like as a, as a platform company, I don't know that that was really important and that that has to be like in there. I think making things that make journal apps, uh, connect into iOS is definitely Apple's job. They should definitely be innovating there. They should find ways that you could tie into OneNote, into Evernote and pull those things and have them as satellite experiences within the OS. That is cool. And I think that is something Apple should do them not doing that and just creating more of a vertical stack by having their own journal app and it being best in class is like, I don't know. I don't want you to put your engineers on that. Like, I don't want you to go make a better product there. Furthermore, I don't know how that will ever be good because unless again, I only have Apple products. Like, can I go get the journal app on anything other than Apple products? Like, can I go put it on my windows PC or on Gabe Newell's Linux box? Can I get to the Apple journal there? Or is it just on Apple products? Because if it's just on Apple products, then I extra don't care because journaling is one of those things that I'm definitely going to need to get to when I'm not on an Apple product. And if you can't get me there, then that's extra useless. So I thought the Apple, the Apple announcements around journals were cool. I could see what some of the things they were trying to do there, but I don't want them in that business. Like I don't want them to be creating applications that have already been solved already. Like they're not really solving a lot there for me that I don't, I feel like we couldn't do elsewhere already. And the only thing it's doing is locking me in further to Apple. That's what it's doing. So, um, anytime they're doing that, I will always rail against it because that means I just don't get to play with it anyway. But also like, it feels like they are so hot on their app app store and everything that it did for their platform, which is huge. Then, uh, uh, then why would you on the other side of your mouth also show off these apps that nobody can get on any app store, <laughs> like that are just part right. of the platform now. Right. Um, so that I guess was my takeaway, particularly with the journal stuff, but I guess probably several other things too. Yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, absolutely the right take. And uh, yeah, even, Apple Notes, which is basically text edit for iOS, so it's super convenient. It works really well. I use it constantly in my Apple synced ecosystem for those quick kind of forgettable things. Like I just need to remember a temporary passcode. I'm setting up a computer and it's just there and it's on the other desktop when I go over there. It's not a place where I would put anything that I'd want to share. 
because if I wanted to share it with you, I can't. Right. I have to save it as a PDF and then send it over to you. Right. Um, and so it's a little too walled. And at that point, Google Docs is a better choice. Right. right. And so, yeah, I think that connective glue is important. And the thing with journaling is if you're writing now, uh, oddly, we have the journal app, which is a little more Pinteresty, you know, in that it's kind of like, Merging apps. And that's what's the hook? Why is this at a developer conference? Because there's an API for it that whatever app you're making, except for all of the node app makers that we suddenly uninvited from WWDC, right. you can like link into our journal app. And so if you've got a workout app, like um, some weight training app, and you have an API, then you can feed that as a contextual thing to have us prompt, hey, looks like you had a great workout today. What, how did that go? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's. That's why they're talking about it here. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's too insular. And, you know, what happens when you want to share it, when you want to share your life with someone? Um, right. So I want to move through a couple of these other updates pretty quickly. Yep. Um, yep. The other one was the um, Pixel Tablet mode, also known as Standby or Galaxy mode, which is when you are charging your phone on a... MagSafe device and turn it sideways. It'll turn into a little smart display alarm clock thingy. Um, has live stickers, which we all know as um, Windows Mobile Seven tiles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and has journal built in. Um, has weather stuff like that. It's finally making use of the OLED screen that they've moved to for a couple of years and just haven't done Mm -hmm. in a while. Um, One kind of fun thing about the phone that I forgot to mention is it's got live text transcription. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, live voicemail transcription. So if somebody calls you and they're leaving a voicemail on your lock screen, it'll in real time as they're stammering through it, it's doing what they should have done in the first place and just texting you rather than leaving a voicemail. don't be old text me is kind of like what it should be saying. Uh, they didn't talk about this much, but one of the things I thought was a little interesting, you know, I use Google voice and have for over a decade for my voicemails, mm-hmm. um, in part because I've never liked having that tied to a carrier and they had transcription before anybody else did. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what kind of carrier buy-in they need for this because Apple doesn't collect voicemails. You don't have visual voicemail on Apple? Well, each carrier has its own version of it, but you might like for T-Mobile, I got to go to the T-Mobile app. If I'm a Verizon customer, I assume I've got to go to the Verizon app to get that, right? Uh, um, I I mean, do you have like native visual voicemail on a Galaxy? That's not tied to a carrier? When you're saying tied to a carrier, I don't, I, we may just be saying different things, but I, I think I hear what you're saying that there would have to be carrier involvement in as much as like a server that's allowed to listen to it. Right. Well, there, I mean, each carrier is going to have to be involved because it's real time. It's not like, even if what it's doing is taking the voicemail and then your Android device or your Apple devices pulling it and putting it in the phone app somehow so you can visualize it or it's a link to go to somewhere so you can get to the transcription part. It's still very carrier dependent. Yes, sure. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out, but it's still 
a cool idea if somebody's leaving you a message and you're not sure you want to pick up, but all of a sudden they start saying, yeah, and um, pinned under the car and, you know, just, you know, get back to me when you can. Like, maybe you want to pick up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, so, it, but it's also not like a, a phone with a answering machine from the 1970s. Like, if they're doing that, you're going to have to call them. You know what I mean? Like, they've no, already been. exactly re- like that. That's exactly what they announced is like you're just like you could listen to somebody leaving a message. And if you heard something that you wanted to pick up, you can pick up like that's what they're doing. They're transcribing what they are saying in real time while the call is still live. And if you click answer while they're leaving a voicemail, you'll pick up. It's exactly like that. Uh, the last part I did not hear in the, w- 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 did they announce that at that show at that yes. time? Yeah. I didn't get yeah. that last part at all. I didn't think that was what it did. Like, I, yeah, I, they even said something about like, you know, your kid is uh, talking about like, bringing the raccoons in to use your bath while you're at the business meeting and like maybe you want to pick up right away and uh, jump on that call well in that case then it has nothing to do with the carriers it's just like another iMessage server like it's going to be an iVoicemail server that's going to like catch it first like there's no there's but that has everything to do with the carriers because by default voicemails are stored by the carriers so we're right. cutting them out, but but just like they did with iMessage, like iMessage cut them out too. Like it's this, it's the same that, thing. But that also required the carers to guess the ring, right? Like they didn't have to do that. Sure, they. I mean, yes. Not only did they not have to, they shouldn't have. But the, but they also <laughs> like. But but yes, because they already did iMessage. There's a precedent for Apple to say, "Shh, we're just going to put another server in here. Don't worry about it," and slide that. But like. And so like when people call and as soon as it's about to go to voicemail, it doesn't actually route to their voicemail. Apple stops the forwarding of the call that would go to the voicemail service and literally hijack it. Like it will take it like, yeah, I I mean, for sure. Like it's, it's like the other week when you were down here and you were telling me about some of your work woes and that one server that comes in shrink wrapped into, you know, that deals with payments and nobody's allowed to touch it. Like, nope. The Apple people have to come into the carrier and uh, we're going to plug it in for you and don't ask us what it does. It just don't touch it. Yeah, that's yeah. It's like it's overruling the carriers. It's not carrier involvement. It's just like like we don't give a fuck about your dumb old voicemail. Like like it's it is an entirely different like like it's a. I mean, and at that point. Like, I don't even, well, I don't know. There's a lot. I didn't realize that. That didn't even get that as the thing. I thought that it was just like, yeah, I can see them transcribing it and wherever they catch it and however they catch it, that's fine. But like, wow, that that is very different. And, and yes, they've, they're, they're now, they're pulling all of the services away. The, the, now they used to just take SMS and MMS away if you're Apple users, but now they're also taking actual calls away. Like. And they've been trying to do that with FaceTime for a while too, but I mean, they're, they're just trying to, to circumnavigate the carriers networks and just making them dumb data pipes, which I guess is fine. But also that's, that's wow. That's crazy. Like I don't, what's crazy about that is like, see with iMessage, you have like, like me with my dirty, disgusting Android phone, whenever I text you, like it just doesn't get to get processed by iMessage, right? Like it just takes ugly SMSs and brands me with a scarlet letter. But the, but my dirty Android phone call that comes through now gets processed by the Apple servers. Like that's something that's really something. I don't know. Like, does that only happen with other iPhones? 
I I don't know. Uh, it says to use live voicemail. You don't have to do anything special. When a caller begins leaving a voicemail, you'll see the transcription automatically appear on the screen. You can read the transcription in real time and decide if you want to take the phone call. If you decide to let it go to voicemail, you'll still be able to listen to the audio message later. Apple handles the entire feature on your iPhone natively using the neural engine inside. That means no call or voicemail data is taken off your device for processing in the cloud. So it does pick up the call and then the actual phone uses one of the M chips to, to crunch through all of that. I guess. So it's like on phone voicemail processing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, really like a 1970s tape machine, like you, you own your data. Like it's all right. I don't know about that, but the, the, <laughs> <laughs> all right, calm down. <laughs> That's not true. You just lied. But, the, 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 right. but, but the, but the phone actually sitting there. Pirates, we're privateers. We get paid better. That's right. You, you get like, so your phone is actually doing real-time audio transcription every time somebody is old and decides to leave a message. Like that's just ripping into your battery. Like that's not a carrier level feature at all. And then what it's then doing is once the voicemail is recorded by your phone, then it's calling Verizon and it's depositing that message like is what it's doing. Right. Cause it would have Maybe. to, well, it has or, to, because if or. it's going to be a regular old voicemail at some point, it's saying that it's not going to take it away from the thing, but it has to then call your phone has to call Verizon to drop off the message. And once it's done. Now, it's, what I think is that really special last voicemail that you got from dad that you've kept on your phone for the past, you know, 15 years, because it's like the last time you ever heard his voice yeah. is now owned by Apple. So yeah. it just doesn't go to the carrier anymore. Like you can't have it if you switch phones just keep using an iPhone if you want to still, you know, keep that memory. Wow. Like I, that's, that has to be like, they can't <laughs> retro it back to the carrier. I don't believe they do that for a second. Man, that's crazy. So you just don't have Verizon voicemail anymore. If you have Verizon. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's gone. That's, <sighs> that's crazy. Okay. So I don't, I don't know. That's a lot of them lifting just so that you keep using iPhones. I know that's what their business model is, but that's, outstandingly aggressive. Um, I will just uh, roll back to the MagSafe, put your phone on a, on a, on a MagSafe charger Stand and then by. it turns yep. into a clock. Um, I did love, they snuck it in at the end that if you have like five different MagSafe chargers, you can change the clock per charger and it remembers what kind of clock per charger. So like if you had one in your study, if you had one in your next to your bed, if you have one at work, wherever you, and you wanted different widgets and you wanted different, clock so they will remember which one it connected to and it will change the clock yeah it was a, a nifty touch uh, you know definitely the high-end design that like when they're flowing it's those like little fit and finish things that work well that you wouldn't really think there's a whole lot of smarts in your charger yeah but that there's enough to kind of negotiate when it's sending signal and when it's not and so like rfid i'm gonna find out probably tonight if that's exclusive to Apple branded pucks because mm, mm -hmm. I have used a, um, it's one of the things with the default MagSafe is it's like a three foot cord. It's really freaking short. Okay. So I've used uh, since I had a MagSafe phone, a Belkin one that's got a little kickstand on it Nice. that has a nice braided cable. That's uh, long enough that if I'm in bed at the end of the day, I can still mess with my phone while I'm charging. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so hopefully it works on not just their own stuff, but I don't think anybody gets to make MagSafe if it's not Apple certified anyway. Mm, that's possible, yeah. That'd be my guess. So yeah, running through, um, they were really high on PDFs and auto-creating form fills out of PDFs. Uh, they discovered the beauty of widgets, so they are now up to date with Android 1.5. Um, they've had widgets for a while, but they really like them and were all about lock screen widgets, standby widgets, uh, widgets in your soup, uh, widgets wherever you can get them. Widgets. Uh, yeah, they're definitely catching up to trying to monetize widgets and make widgets its own app category. And I don't know, I kind of feel like anybody who really cared about that as an interface bought an Android phone a decade ago Yeah, and never looked back. Like, it's just not why people are on Apple. I don't mind it. I just, there's, I don't care about glancing like on my phone. Mm -hmm. I have a watch. I've always been a wearable guy and the stuff I need or want that's glanceable is there on my watch because that's how I'm going to do my glancing, right? Yep. If I'm going to my phone, I'm just going to open an app and do the thing I need to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll see. I don't want to, I'm glad it's there. Sure. I don't see it as like this huge feature. I know why they're pimping into the developer conference because they want people making and selling widgets. Sure. Um, so let me stop there. Mm-hmm. And jump right the fuck into the one more thing. The one more thing. Yeah, we'll jump over. They did do a new Mac OS, but I think there was like nothing in there except I, widgets. Yeah, they, there was some stuff about gaming. Maybe we'll pick that up next week after we actually talk about real games this weekend. But um, but uh, there is some gaming stuff in, yeah, in I guess Mac I'll, OS. I'll just glance at that. I don't, I don't want to leave it out. Like the one thing that I'll say, they had um, Kojima come out on stage and that guy <laughs> that guy dude yeah and it's it's always death stranding man like i don't know who the rabid death stranding fans are other than kojima but kind of a boring game with a really good actor in it and not a whole lot of excitement but he's just porting that sucker to anything will come to and it's not like the metal gear ports that uh, you know we got recently or anything like that's actually peak Kojima. It is just Death Stranding, but I am, I'm a little shut up by just how much they're talking about this Apple Silicon for gaming. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to dovetail into what we're going to talk about with one more thing. And that's really where that energy is coming from. Sure. But I just like, I don't know that it's got the teraflops man like I, I don't know that they have the gpu core to do this on like regular m1 m2 max and actually play the at a quality that like you would get off you know a 1080 ti sure for starters so maybe i'm wrong maybe they just haven't talked about it and nobody's developing for it and that's all going to change the one thing they did talk up pretty extensively was their game porting package that'll let people turn PC games into Mac games in a matter of days. Yes. Yeah. Some really expensive stuff. Only thing I will say to give them benefit of the doubt on a very expensive promise that could blow up in their faces when they moved from Intel to Apple Silicon, which is um, totally different architecture. Mm -hmm there wasn't a single app that didn't work. Like their emulation engine Rosetta was 
very good, mm-hmm. uh, like very impressive in a way that if Microsoft had done that back with the um, Surface RT, mm-hmm. we would be living in a different world right now. Sure. You know, if they had been able to pull that off on ARM and get that level of compatibility, it would have been really impressive. I'm real skeptical that they're going to be able to do that with games that require actual work to be done, ray tracing, volumetric shading, like all of the stuff that we actually care about. Sure. But. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like, I'd like for that. I'd like that for them. I, I think that the, the one thing that, the one thing that I wanted to see about the steam deck was I wanted to see native Linux gaming take off in some meaningful way instead of the proton layer. And like, I, I, there is this kind of like emulation layer that, that, uh, is almost Rosetta like in that, you know, people are actually able to just with a command line right now, like pull windows executables all the way up to DX 12 and, and actually run them as of like this morning, like they were able to do that this week. And I, I think, I think that's a little bit weird. Like, I don't think I love that. I, I, I had, I had emailed, I heard message you this morning. I said, Microsoft just needs to sue every fucking one of them. <laughs> like just like, just, <laughs> just all the, all the lawyers, like call them off of the Activision blizzard thing and just come in and just crush them all. Like, I think it's, it's so stupid. Like Microsoft has done all this work. They've created a windows gaming ecosystem that is unparalleled everywhere else. And like all these other OSs and platforms are just like, yeah, thanks for all the fish. And they're just bringing it over into these other platforms with these weird emulation layers that like to me feels like wait a minute like so microsoft is getting none of the money none of these things are launching on windows anymore and they you can just buy a different platform where all the money's going and that's it like and microsoft is good to developers like they are that is one thing you can't take away from that company like they are good to developers like so much so that like microsoft development tools can get used for all kinds of things like things that don't even target windows and that and it's just a weird thing that's happened over and over again. And I, I don't like that this is happening here either. I feel like they just need to protect their intellectual property here. Like, I feel like this idea that you could just spit up some shitty version of cyberpunk 2077 on a brand new Mac today is dumb. Like just go crush them, go make them go away. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Like to me, it's just, it's just a crazy thing. Like, uh, but that said, you know, I mean, how else is Mac and Linux going to get gaming? Like they have, they've had their own platforms already for some time and yeah. nobody's going there. So the only way they can do it now is to just steal it out from under Microsoft. And if Microsoft's not going to do anything about it, then I guess it'll, st- it'll, it'll happen. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to say with the DirectX stuff, I'm totally in agreement. Like there are alternatives, OpenGL and things that, that are cross-platform by design and you can write to them and they can run on Windows and you can port them elsewhere without having to like extract or reverse engineer. And so definitely direct X to metal is an interesting choice for a developer. It's good for gamers. It's good, but I think standards would also be good, Sure, right? Like putting some consortium energy into a solid cross-platform standard that everybody can just use Sure, and having NVIDIA and Apple and Microsoft and Steam and Valve all get together and just push to that standard. Like, and everybody's just pulling together on that thing that's better for everybody. And then you can compete for your exclusives and your special tech. But for a vast majority of games, gamers want to play, you know, and I don't want to have any platform where I can't play the games that I want to. And 
frankly, what the fuck does Microsoft really care? They see everybody moving in the cloud in five years anyway. Sure. So it's not going to matter what you're on. Like you can also play cyberpunk on an Android phone from like five years ago. Sure. Sure. Just pair a controller. Like that's, that's where they're at. And so I think that's a big part of why they're not calling the lawyers on this because it just, I'm like, cool, like go play there. We're going to offer that in a parallel experience. Only you won't have to buy the games very soon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, so I think that's a bit about it. Don't want to go too long in the tooth. I do want to talk about vision pro. Yes. How is our vision? Everyone? How is our vision? Um, so I think we did, I, I would just, I would just have to start. I'm, I'm going to not do the joke that I was absolutely going to do, which is just like every 16 to 90 seconds, just Tourette's the words 34 99, 34. <laughs> I was just going to do that no matter what was happening for the whole Apple thing. So I, I think we should probably clear the price at the beginning and at the end. I think that's probably an important piece. Yeah. So it is a very expensive augmented reality more so than virtual reality headset you know they're really pushing this kind of mixing your interface they call it the world's first spatial os because spatial we just made up the words so of course it's the world's first yes um which is absolutely meaningless so yeah apple got into the vr game we talked last episode did kind of a big vr episode very timely um, sort of knowing that this was going to be one of the big announcements. And so they launched their $3,499 Vision OS headset that looks like a pair of ski goggles <laughs> and cookies first. It is thin. Um, it is relatively beautiful hardware for the price. It's um, a little better than 4K resolution in each one of the lenses, which at that density is technologically impressive mm-hmm. to get that and mm-hmm. really to have pass through vision that feels like vision, like you're looking at the real world, pretty close to what you have to be at. Sure. You can't do much less than that and still have it be believable. The quality of the cameras are going to matter as well and their sensitivity to low light situations, which they did not show off uh, all of the, even the conceptual renders were in very brightly lit rooms and there's still regular cameras and regular mm-hmm. cameras don't adjust to dark as well as we do. Right. So unless they're going to do a lot of um, AI to fix noise in, you know, those dimly lit rooms when you're chilling and, you know, on the couch at night watching a movie with the three other members of your family who each have $3,500 strapped to their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a thing to beat. That's going to be a thing to really look at when people actually start using these somewhere other than a very brightly lit show floor Mm -hmm. um quick hits on this one of the reasons it is so thin and light is they didn't put the battery in it you have to wear the battery like a walkman Mm -hmm. on your hip and i did look at this it is it looks like it is hardwired or a proprietary magnet connection proprietary magnet it is yeah i did i did see that so as far as like you know can you be plugged in and then unplug and keep working nope it's just a dumb monitor and to swap from battery to hardwire you have to have their cables um there's no USB-C or lightning it's just no port at all because they really fucking hate the eu mm-hmm. and um yeah i think that's one of the things i hate the most about this is this like wearable battery that you have to keep on yeah you know it's it's almost cheating 
to make this thin light device and be able to pull that off only because you didn't actually put all of the pieces that everybody else has to put into it. Right. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, that's going to be annoying for couch use, you know, to have this extra like pack that you've got next to you just to get the two hours that you're going to get from, you know, or meta quest anyway. Yeah, I will say, and well, I guess we'll touch on gaming here in a second for this thing or the lack of gaming on this thing first in a second. But I, I will say that they demoed um, their very impressive sensors and cameras um, where you can kind of sit there sort of lifeless on a couch and have your hands directly next to your uh, to your to your thighs and you can swipe and tap and click with your fingers all the way down there and the 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 optics are not the optics the sensors are of such high fidelity that even all the way down from where your eyeballs are all the way down to next to your thighs like it will actually track those fingers accurately right to 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 control the user interface and all this and that's cool but i think that part of that and then kind of flipping this on its head to gaming um you and i had a great experience playing with um uh some some cross-platform uh table tennis 11 table tennis uh last week uh after the pod um which maybe i don't know that we'll have time to talk about today but um but you get moving when you're in vr and you're playing games right yeah and i i had said during that session where you and i were playing that for the first time in almost any game that I've played, I was acutely aware of the tether of my of my headset right. with eleven table tennis. There's been a couple of other moments in a couple of other VR games where I noticed noted it, and I noticed that it's there. And I had wished that oh man, it'd be so cool if we were in this wireless future where everything was just perfect and wireless at the same time. Mostly, I've just gotten used to it, and you get used to the tether. Period. But um, but it is interesting to think about in their demos that they because this thing requires a tether that is a tether period end like whether or not it's a battery or not it's a tether it is a wire coming out of the back or side of your headset and coming down to your hip um they didn't show a lot of swinging around and jumping around and a whole bunch of you know caustics with your body because uh you would pull that shit right out of it's going to be over right like uh, like you, <laughs> you so they want you lifeless on a couch just barely moving your wrists because if you pull that battery out you're done um so I, I, it's interesting that this is mostly a tethered experience. Like it's and and calling it an untethered experience because of the battery that's only two hours in in length and still with a wire coming out of the back of it and hanging down your shoulder uh, and into your pocket is you're right. It is cheating. It is not. It is that is not a tether free experience. Yeah. So no controllers. They really didn't show much gaming. You know, it a lot of the experience was watching TV using iPad apps that already exist and just kind of having like this multi-paned desktop experience floating in your environment. We've got all of that on the Quest Pro in particular, where it can do mixed reality very competently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cameras aren't as high res. And so you usually kind of slot that immersion back over to the VR realm, but it's not a great way to compute. Right. You know, having the real world and a good high quality monitor in front of you and other tangible objects, uh, an actual keyboard. Nobody wants to fake keyboard in the air, you know, and so peripherals end up becoming important. And then that experience goes down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you know, the, the dearth of really wonderful use cases for it 
really kind of struck me. Yeah. And reading the reviews, the people who were stoked, who got hands-on in this, almost to a fault seemed like everybody I've met, myself and you included, the first time they strapped any VR headset to their face. Sure. Right? Like, it is that, like, immediate, like, the true stereoscopic vision of VR is just the first time you put it on and you get a good experience, like Half-Life, Half-Life Alex or the lab, table tennis, you know, whatever you want to show. The first time you just get dumped into a hub, like mm-hmm. Steam VR's home or the Microsoft Mixed Reality home, like, and you're just like looking around and everything's tracking right. It's a transformative experience. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the fawning felt synonymous to that to me. Like you could have thrown in a Vive or a Quest and had the same thing on display with a bunch of people who weren't really plugged into VR because that's not their beat and are really experiencing it for the first time. And like, it's a very fucking cool thing to have desktop panes floating in the air and you're like moving around and everything's working. But without controllers, without gaming, without a use case, I just don't see people wearing these all day mm-hmm. instead of screens and like they're trying what it feels like is and what I think it should have been at 3500 and it wasn't properly marketed this way is it feels like there's an idea of an all-day wearable that Apple has in its mind that is a lot closer to like a HoloLens something that's just seamless and blends into your face and the technology is not there yet you know we don't have that perfectly shadable lens that'll shut down um like those little vr goggles that barry had on Mm -hmm. um, eight years in the future um like we're just not there and we know that hololens isn't there google glass isn't there like they're all trying to get there and to come up with you know what is this thing that we can wear the whole day so that i can just beam my ecosystem right into your eyeballs while you sit lifelessly on the couch Mm -hmm. and what it feels like is that this is very much a tech kit like a dev kit, you mm-hmm. know, that they just don't quite have the tech here yet, but here it is for companies who are going to actually build the future of what augmented reality looks like in an Apple ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And that's not a value judgment. I'm not hoping they win or lose, but that's what this tech feels like. Like they just, they had to put the tech out there. They had to make these compromises. They've got the weird screen that shows fake eyes on the front so that you're still part of the world around you. And <laughs> Right, like, but it feels like somebody said, well, we need eyeballs. Like, aren't these glasses? Like, I can't see anybody's eyes. It's just a black pane. And so they're like, oh, well, we'll just project the eyeballs onto the eyeball face screen and then it'll be fine. Not creepy at all. Yeah. 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 So I don't, that's kind of my take on it. Like, for somebody who buys a lot of shit with disposable income and I have always been a tech early adopter, this is like the second time in this kind of futuristic, futurist tech that I've passed. The first was Google Glass. I had been on that waiting list for a year and my number finally came up and that was two grand Mm. at the time. And again, I thought it was an amazing idea and the retinal projection tech in it where it's not even a screen Mm -hmm. is really fascinating. Um, If you don't mind the eyeball cancer that you'll get someday from it. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that your eyeball just starts leaking one day. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Google iPads to go with your Google Glass. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But like, and this is like the second time that I'm seeing something that 
should feel like great tech. Like we're taking a leap forward and mm-hmm. I'm just not there. And maybe I bought a quest at the right time to like exactly have that sort of Android users response to everything that Apple has always done that I haven't hit on yet, which is just the, all right, well, glad my quest is charged. I'm going to go right back to it. Mm-hmm. Like I already do all of these things plus games. Right. Right. Plus PC games, plus tether-free battery experience, um, playing Acrons with my kids, which is a game where somebody in a headset is a tree and everybody else is on their phones in the room, like trying to get acorns from the tree. And whoever is the tree is just swinging around, grabbing squirrels in real time and throwing <laughs> things at them. Um, so past couple nights, my whole family has been playing that. And that's awesome helps to have controllers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the quest pro at least also does hand tracking really well as does the quest 2 actually both of them do it very well they don't support you being a lifeless hunk on the couch but i have a tv for that like i if i have a headset on it's about an experience where i'm immersed and Mm -hmm. sitting on the couch with a ski mask ski goggles strapped to my face doesn't really get us to immersion and doesn't really meet what I think the promise of VR is, which is playing, you know, disconnected table tennis or a round of mini golf or having a goofy time together. Yeah. I wanted to, um, you know, is uh, with respect to, you know, the, both the price and, and some of the gaming stuff there, it was, it was interesting as they were, uh, positioning this, I, I did want to mention a couple of things that I, I, you know, giving them their cookies first, uh, uh, for me as well. I'm probably not first. I think I already trashed it, but the, I'm giving them cookies. I, I, 34.99. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, the, um, uh, 3d movies, 3d movies. I think, uh, like, I think that, um, you had mentioned that there is a way to do that, you know, in the quest already and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think anybody's like really marketed that the way that that was so impressively marketed in this, uh, developer conference that shouldn't have any marketing in it. Um, the, the, I really was very impressed with them selling that the way they sold it. Like there's there, there was a, uh, Bob Iger from Disney came out and they did a sizzle reel of all the things they could do with the Disney plus app and ESPN and Hulu apps. You know what I mean? All, all, all kind of, you know, in the, the Disney vertical ecosystem of apps, uh, now that exists. And, that was fascinating. Like some of the stuff, the sports stuff in particular, I thought was very neat and, you know, had a bunch of cool pop outs and showing, you know, uh, you know, uh, likelihood of winning for per team. And, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the virtual avatars of the players dancing on the left side, whenever they made a touchdown. And so like, they were, they really played up some super cool stuff. Uh, you know, like watching, movies in settings that were reminiscent of those Disney movies. So like watching the Mandalorian on, you know, a desert planet, you know, and like we've seen, um, uh, Jawas run, run by, I was about to say Ewoks and then get punched in the face by Eric, but, (laughs) but having Jawas run by and, um, and stuff was neat, right? Like there was like some neat, like this is cool VR stuff, right? Like, um, the, uh, they showed, uh, what is it? Prehistoric planet. Is that the dinosaur one for Apple TV? Is it prehistoric something prehistoric mm-hmm. prehistoric planet? I don't remember. What um, the name is. Prehistoric planet 3d. 
Yeah. So, yeah. The, so there was a cool demo where, you know, wearing these ski goggles and sitting lifeless on your couch, one of the things that they are telling you, and I'm going to get to this in a second, is you can make a movie screen, a virtual AR movie screen in your living room, right? So you can draw a huge, you know, as big as the wall and bigger if you want. And you can actually warp yourself out of your living room if you want and go somewhere else, but uh, which is more VR than AR. But in the AR experience, you would draw this huge movie screen on the wall and then the prehistoric planet show would come on and a dinosaur was like walking towards the screen and then actually craned its big old dinosaur neck outside of the screen and into like an AR type experience inside your living room. Right. Um, and that's super cool. And that was extremely well marketed. And even in that marketing sizzle video, I really felt what they were trying to sell in that moment. I thought that was really neat. And it was neat in a way that nobody's really talked about 3d movies because they became taboo with 3d TVs. Yep. Right. And so like to kind of, bring all of that back out of the, you know, dust off the old trunk and pull out all the 3D movie fun bits, you know, except now apply it to this AR experience and, you know, potentially VR if you ever want to change the the background, which this will do, um, was really neat. When they announced the $34.99 price, the guy that was, it wasn't Tim Cook, it was the guy that was talking about it. It was like a lead engineer or something like that, um, whatever his name was. He started like, not backpedaling, but kind of like qualifying the price because he started saying, he's like, you know, if you were to go out and buy a new television, a big screen television, a home theater system, a 3D camera, and a personal computer, you still wouldn't have all the technology that's in this headset right now. And I kind of like stopped for a second and thought like, I don't think that that's what we're talking about here, right? Because you had already just said in your, some of your rundown of it, that like, if you have a family of four, everybody needs 3,499 strapped to their face in order to experience yeah. this, right? Like not just one. I'm also quite interested to know, can I have four of those in the same room and we all watch the same AR experience or not? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how does that work? Like, could I be watching a, a screen that I drew on the TV and the three people sitting next to me also see the same thing, assuming that <laughs> all of my friends are well healed enough to have 3,499, you know, uh, headsets on like, that'd be another interesting question, but which they also didn't talk about, but, but I think it's like disingenuous in a way that like, I don't think they're really like, they're already a little bit on their back foot. They are, they are, they're trying to offer why this thing is so important, right? Like, and why $34.99 is the appropriate price for this thing. And for them to tell me that this thing replaces my TV, my home theater system, owning a 3D camera, and which I don't own, and a, a big beefy computer, those are some expensive checks to write. Isn't I mean, you know, you're, you're saying that this thing could do all of those things, but they don't do all those. It won't do all those things. If one other person comes over and wants to watch a movie, it no longer works. Right. If, if right. like I want to play an actual beefy game, which I did not see in the entirety of that 30 plus minute introduction, I did not see a game that were, that required a big beefy computer. What, what would I do there? You know? So I think, I don't know. I think I was, I was a little bit uh, let down by that. I've it felt that like this, that they are searching for, to your point, I think they are searching for the ways in which this will be useful and just tossing out a bunch of use cases because it's got a ton of sensors. It's got a ton of fidelity, you know, and they cheated with the battery. So you can definitely yep. use this thing. Right. So 
but I don't think that they have the full mission statement on this thing any more than maybe they did with the iPhone, right? Like I think maybe they are asking developers to fill the blanks in here for this device, you know, which undoubtedly they will. I mean, Apple is inexplicably a darling sometimes, like even at $7,000 for a Mac pro and $34.99 for this fucking thing. Like, like there's still somehow people out there justifying what they do, uh, from a business perspective, which is just nonsense. I mean, $34.99 is like, is highway robbery. The, the quest pro, which is a ridiculously cool device debuted at $1,500 and they dropped it to a thousand already. Like it's like, what are we talking about? Like you were talking about three and a half, you can get three quest pros and a quest three, right? Like you can, uh, and you're, (laughs) and all of the gaming and all the experiences. And you could have two other, three other people sitting on the couch with you (laughs) doing the thing that you couldn't do here for $3,500. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like they don't know. They don't know what to do with this thing. And, and to price it at that level um, is is astonishing. Like it is, it is. I, I like. I don't even know. Like at that point, like what developer is dropping that kind of money to go play with this thing to make something? Because at the end of the day, you have to sell stuff, right? Like you have to sell things that you put on an app store. Like how do you yeah. sell that to people? Like who's buying a headset at thirty five hundred dollars? Like nobody is. People will be buying something in twenty twenty five when it's nine ninety nine, right? Like yeah. that's. Yeah, so I do want to, talking about some of the 3D movies, I want to shout out to Big Screen, which is available in Steam and Quest, Um, exactly as it sounds. It is a big screen, and it natively supports uh, higher quality Blu-ray rips of 3D content. Um, It'll actually pull in from Plex if you have any 3D movies there, Um, or... YouTube, Netflix, anywhere where they do side by side or over under, you just set the settings. And I popped into it uh, last night, really in kind of preparation for this after WWDC mm-hmm. and just popped on. They've got a trailers channel. And so I was in a movie theater watching all of these 3D trailers, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Titanic in 3D, like all the different rentals that they have, Top Gun Maverick. Um, and it was fantastic. And with stereoscopic vision, what's really an impressive trick is even though it's a screen mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you're looking at because you're in a headset, as you move around with eye tracking and moving your head, the 3D never falters. Right, 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 right. Like right, right, in the way yes. that if you're actually using glasses on a 3D screen, if you're not looking at it exactly spot on, it might not work. Right, yes. So it's doing that programming. The other nifty thing about big screen is you can share, you can jump in a room with someone else and watch a movie together. That's great. And so like, we've already kind of got that, um, outside of the Apple ecosystem and my hope since it's got Netflix and Hulu and Disney plus all kind of built into big screen that you can add them as apps that the Bob Iger stuff is we like Apple, but also we're committed to 3d in VR and they're going to, cast a wide net because they want to sell their content to as many people as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. I'm glad that that's there. I'm pissed off at meta for not having pimped the hell out of that. Like that's a, that's an amazing thing to show off. It it really was maybe some of my favorite stuff in this show. Like it was, yeah. it was really like palpably cool, like in well, a they, way that most of it they didn't. did. And they failed, uh, you know, that their VR 360 video was a big thing that they invested a lot in and they really thought that was going to be it. They, I think just overshot by, 
pushing that instead of the existing content of 3D movies, which people like, but has always been kind of prohibitive. And now we've got two $300 headsets that anybody can get. That's just a contained experience. Yes. Yes. That's well, that's what I mean. I mean, I like get, get content that people would understand, right? Like they showed off prehistoric planet and avatar way of water, right? Like they showed off things that like people have seen or want to see like, not like, Hey, you can use any video. And like, like, cause when you cast the net too wide, like the marketing proposition disappears, right? Like, it's not like, it's not just about the possibility of it. Like show me Top Gun Maverick. If you can do that in 3d cool, I'll buy your headset. You know what I mean? Like just dumb it down for the consumer, right? Like get it out there. And that's, it's like I, literally until you announced big screen, I didn't know anybody did this. Like, and that's sad because I do follow this stuff. Like I, I, I didn't know anything about it and it, needs to be out there like people need to know that that exists you know like even the nerdy bits of pulling from plex forget that for a second which is also awesome but like but just the idea that like there's there's actual stuff that like that that could be like you should be able to rent something in that store you should be able to go rent a 3d movie out there because people would fucking do that there's a lot of quest uh, headsets out there not necessarily quest pros yet you can do that in big screen just throwing that out there they have a rental store perfect like that's again like all of this should like it should have been on every commercial ever like forget about beat saber forget about everything like people would get that people would understand that like people part of the active nature of vr is that it is just movement prohibitive for some people who don't want that their gaming to be that way but everybody loves movies and if you could just say hey like meta should have bought big screen like it should they should have just that should just be something meta owns like it's a it is a that is a very impressive thing to do. They should have that uh, as front and center as this is like, this is your 3d movie theater, like show yep. it off, get it out there. Big, big deal. Um, totally. So anyway, um, so yeah, um, we are just shy of this two is the hours episode we've ever run. So we are going to fucking pull our battery pack out uh, or move to our battery pack so we can go home and everything's just going to shut off. And it'll just shut off. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Good episode today. Yep. Uh, catch everybody next week. See you everybody.